This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Marissa. And we're going to talk about the Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch, a 1965-1964 novel by Philip K. Dick. Um, very probably widely known of his books. It's one of the most famous, I guess. Um, highly reviewed. W. Award and, nominee. There you go. Um, uh, and first of his. Ah, that's a good question. No, no, best novel. No, it was just nominated that year. Uh, it oh. lost to, looking up real quick, um, uh, who did it lose to? Huh. No idea. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, th- that year was 1966. Actually, Dr. Blood Money was also nominated that year. Uh-huh. And, but they all both lost to a little book, probably never heard. It's called Dune. Oh, yeah. I got to read that one day. <laughs> no, I read it. Um, uh, what do you think? Is this, is this, a, uh, did, did this book get shut out by uh, Dune, uh, improperly? Is this a book that should have, like Philip K. Dick thinks, uh, you know, been preserved for all eternity as a unique, <laughs> better than Dune? <laughs> he didn't say better than Dune. Better, um, better than Dune. Probably not, but looking at all the other books that came out that were on that on that ballot, I think it's probably the second best book of that group. What about Doctor Blood Money? I I put that like third or fourth. Really? Yeah. What about you, Marissa? Um. Yeah, I think this one I'd put above Doctor Blood Money. Really? Yeah. Uh, what about above Dune? Oh, I, I I can't even like put those two together in my head. <laughs> because They're rather different. Yeah, and like Philip Kedick doesn't have that kind of writing, you know. Like June is just so well written. Mm. But yeah, it's it, it, it that that's some some sort of different class. It's true. If they were boxers, um, you could put Blood Money and uh, Stigmata up against each other, but you couldn't put uh, Dune up against. This book, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I got to tell you, I don't think this is uh, better than Doctor Blood Money. No, uh, I know what? it's. Uh, everyone thinks this book is is hot shit, but to me, it was like, well, there's a few good bits here and there. I mean, it's a standard, you know, Philip K. Dick book, but no, it's not. It's not great at all. I don't know what I don't know what everybody's thinking. I think I think you have to sort of have some. Maybe this is not true, but it, I was like, okay, there's a lot of religious people, you know, and they, they do, you know, they take, uh, what's that? When you get the, the cracker and the, and the juice. Communion. <laughs> Communion. You get the cracker and the juice. <laughs> the cracker and the juice. And <laughs> the cracker and the juice. And then you, you're like, hey, I'm now, I'm a part of this thing. And, uh, hey, uh, maybe that's where Philip K. Dix, you know, he's doing his religious crises thing. Yeah. It's uh, definitely a lot of, uh, but yeah, it, it just doesn't do anything for me that, I mean, there's, there is good stuff in here, but I was more like, oh yeah, this is, this is fine. It's, but uh, it's not even bursting with uh, ideas that, um, sort of he's done. I think he's done most of these ideas better in other, other books. The, the smaller ideas 
perhaps. I mean, I, 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 I now I will pick apart the book a bit and then I will explain why I love it. So, for example, we, we do have a couple precogs in this novel and their abilities seem to, to be charitable sometimes. Sometimes Pilkadik seems to forget that they're precogs and they should be looking at <laughs> looking at things in a precog manner, like, oh yeah, the precog, I see this. Then for a long stretch, it's like, why aren't you using your precog abilities? They would be actually really useful here, Mayerson. And then he sort of says a reminder, and then it's almost like he almost like decides to drop that at some point. That for the most part, because yep. it would be it's very difficult to write uh, characters they could see into the future. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, and so he he does kind of uh, underplay that after a while. Mm-hmm. It's true, and some 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 of the, some of the some of the smaller bits are have been done in other novels, perhaps better. But what this what this novel has for me, and why I like it so much, and I'll later talk about the movie, the, a certain movie that that uh, allies to this. Um, this after a certain point in this novel, I believe it's like chapter five. You mm. don't know, and it is, it's a wonderful uh, amoring for a while. You don't know what's real anymore. It because mm-hmm. because the, because one of the, one of the uh, characters has taken Choosy, and you never know if or when or ever he's actually gotten out of the Choosy. So. The, the actual reality, what we're seeing and what's actually going on are not all lined up. And you have to keep that in mind for what occurs. I mean, every so often, Dick will, will, uh, raise a single flag, like, Hey, I'm, <laughs> this is not really going on. But at other points, he seems to dial that back. And you, you as the reader or I as the reader, it's like, okay, we're, are we, are we still in the cheesy delusion or not? That's, I find that interesting and fascinating that, I mean, I mean, after the beginning of this novel, everything else is, I mean, you can question everything and what everybody's doing. And it's sometimes foregrounded, sometimes backgrounded. And either way, it's, it's a very surreal experience. It, it's one of the, one of the most surreal dick experiences there is. Yeah, I, I, I think that's there. Yeah, it's a trip. I think as well when they're on the choosy, you don't even know if the if it is really a hallucination, like whether they're in the choosy or not in the choosy, and then you don't even know if that's altering reality or is it just completely a delusion or hmm. right. It has that uh, little thing at the end. It's the rhetorical flourish that when he does does he does he does it well, um, you know, sort of questioning the reality on their their trip back to Earth. They're are they spreading the plague or mm-hmm. whatever it is that that's cool. Um, but we've seen that in other books, haven't we? The qu- I mean, yeah. The like, questioning uh, of reality. Well, uh, well, so one of the things that uh, they said that, you know, what this book is based on, you know, he does, he seems to do kind of books where um, he has an original idea and he just, writes and writes and writes like do androids dream of electric sheep has no precedent in other short stories there are elements certainly that are uh from other short stories and i guess you could argue that this one has that as well for example choosy and uh what's the other one called candy candy are not i don't think 
Oh, are they in uh, Perky Pat? No. No. No, they just they they're just acting weird, right? And I think that that sort of adds something to the story when we uh, are reading the novel here. I mean that I think that that's an improvement in a certain way on that idea that's in Perky Pat about adults sort of living through uh, avatars that are uh, dolls, basically, and young um, dolls at that. Right, but there's no there's no sort of foundational material used in books like do androids dream of electric sheep or in man and high castle that are uh this this book is sort of cobbled together is is more what i'm thinking from perky pat and a bunch of uh, other sort of yeah like the little things but on the whole it was felt more like a collage of um well here's the idea and then we'll see how this goes but we get <laughs> again a big cast of characters um, and they have the various experiences, but I didn't feel like, damn, this is awesome. I was like, Oh, that's cute. And here, yeah, this is cute. But um, the, the story I'm thinking that does this sort of idea really way better is called uh, upon the dull earth. This is a short story. Mar- Marissa, if you haven't read it, no. uh, make sure you make sure you read that one in that, on that flight you're taking. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is a very early story that is about uh, a husband and wife. The wife is practicing uh, witchcraft, kind of, and she uh, is doing blood magic out in the backyard. And um, she communes with um, things, and then uh, she dies. The husband uh, uses the same magical ritual to bring her back. And when he does so, um, she does come back, but she has no body, so she inhabits him, and he freaks out. He sees her in the mirror when he looks in the mirror, and he runs away. And as he's driving off into the sunset or you know down the canyons or whatever it is, um, he sees people on the side of the road, and the infection is spreading, right? And he, he sees a kid on the side of the road. That kid turns into her, hmm. right? No matter what happens, where he goes, the infection spreading. And that's a really cool kind of idea where, I mean, there, there's this story in, in here. There's the, the story, what's, what's her name? Uh, Anne, I think, says a story. Uh, she calls it a joke, but it's not much of a joke. It's a story about a cat that ate a steak. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, where, where's the joke? <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> It's about a cat that eats the steak, and then they weigh the cat, and the cat doesn't weigh, oh, weighs the exact same amount as the steak. Right. So where was the cat? Well, what happened to the cat? It's now a steak. Right. Yeah. Well, now it's become part of it. It's like, ooh, <laughs> this is like, um, this is sort of the transubstantiation. Yep, that's exactly where it's going. <laughs> right. Um, but I think the difference is, uh, it's like, yeah, I I got it, but that's it. I don't know. I just I was not impressed by by that. I, I I was much more interested in the like I just tweeted right before we started um, the Martian uh, grandmother jackal beast that's telepathic. Oh yeah, wants to eat yeah. the virus. And, yeah, <laughs> says, oh, w- would you mind coming down off that tractor? I'd like to eat you, please. <laughs> it's like, oh, gross! You're 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 unclean. I can't eat you. Um, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, that was creepy. 
it's, I, I think it, it does something there. I feel um, like that's the difference between this one and Dr. Blood Money is Dr. Blood Money is like so funny and you can just read it straight through. Whereas this one's kind of, I don't know, when you sit with it, it's kind of chilling, more like a horror kind of creepy. Oh, oh, it's definitely, it's de- definitely horror, not, yeah. not humor. I mean, the, I mean, the, the Martian beast, uh, notwithstanding is some of the absurdity of these people obsessed with their little perky pat sets. This, this is definitely, this, this novel is definitely about horror and evil and the unmooring of, the, the, I should say, no, better yet, the colonization of reality by, mm. by Eldritch, Choosy, and whatever life form is really behind it all. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely sp- supposed to, uh, g- give you the willies. It's not, it's not a fun or happy book. Yeah. And you don't, don't quite, you don't quite know at the end, yeah, whether they're going to wind up spreading the infection to the rest of the world or not. I'm, this is making me think of all of a sudden of the mo- of the uh, recent movie version of Solaris, mm-hmm. where uh, well, uh, where um, he want where um, Kelvin wants to go back and uh, Viola Davis character says, well, what if if we would bring it back with us? What if this start happening on a mass scale back on Earth? Like, are you kidding? It's like, and that, that is a horror. I mean, yes, Kelvin has a has a depressive. The rest of ex-wife as a as a vision, but what if people start visioning other more dangerous things? That could be really really bad. And and Kelvin doesn't seem to quite recognize. Yeah, spreading spreading this is not is could be could be a problem. So I wonder I wonder if when was when did Solaris was when was Solaris written? Do we know of that? Oh god. Well, we have this thing called Google, so yeah, we, can find, find, we can find out real quick. Sorry, listeners. Um. So Solaris was written. I, I, I do you guys um what we're doing this. Sorry, go for it. Um, sixty one. So Solaris pre. So Solaris hmm. pre as a novel predates this. Uh, would the translation have come in uh, prior to that? Do you know? Because uh, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that Dick could have read it, but um, I don't think that I. I I, I don't think he need to have because you know oh. that story I was saying upon the dull earth is it's basically the same sort of horror right um but uh the, without the drugs um to get him in you know there there's a I I much uh, watched a movie or something recently and it was a uh a guy complaining he says whenever whenever a, a beautiful young woman maybe it's in this book I can't remember what whenever a beautiful wo- young woman comes up to you and says, come with me. She always wants to take you to Jesus. That's not in this book. Is that in this book? No. Okay. Well, it, it just reminded me of this book because uh, Anne Hawthorne, she's the uh, the one on the uh, colonization ship or she's on the draft ship, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she the, she's doing that. She's. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure it, it, there was a scene where he he's like thinking and he's like, oh god, she's one of those religious religiouses, right? And and then she when she gets to Mars, um, she she says, oh everybody's doing drugs. I I want to spread religion, and then um, that's sort of the, she's like the 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 sort of less omnipotent version of uh of Palmer Eldritch, right? Because <laughs> that's what 
<laughs> but then she says something really hilarious. She says, um, I want to spread my religion, but um, I have a feeling I'm just going to end up doing drugs and having a lot of yeah. sex. That's the culture right. here. Right. But but didn't you catch that she's she's really an agent? Didn't you catch that part? I probably did. And then, yeah, forgot about she's, she's really an agent for Leo. Ah, uh, so yeah, um, so here that that's all a front, which is which is well, I'll, I'll, at least. But so, but yeah, uh, everybody's an agent there, right? Right. That's the other thing is that there's conspiracy within conspiracy. Um, there, there's one other thing though that this is that name Hawthorne, right? That's one of those things we need to add to the Philip K. Dick rhetorizer because Hawthorne Abinson is the man in the high castle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Hawthorne is is sort of the analog for sin, the idea of because of uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne, yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's, that's what Daniel Hawthorne's obsessed with, right? And he's also the religious American version of Poe, right? Right. Um, so the uh, that sort of um, the creepy factor, um, Hawthorne does that, but he does it especially in relation to sin. And she, that character, uh, you know, with all the sinful people on mars you sort of think well who's right and i think philip k dick says i don't know he like i don't think that palmer eldridge is as evil as he dick claims he is um in subsequent readings of his own book because i I thought he was more like uh, a victim of whatever you know i mean a lot of characters in this book sort of don't know. They, they make claims, and then the, the next person in the conversation undercuts that claim, and then we move on, right? So there is no – what real evidence do we have that he's evil? I think he's just sort of like uh, space Jesus, right? He's got the three stigmata, the teeth, the, the – was it the eye and the uh, arm? Yeah. Yeah, aside from wanting to sort of – play god in all of these people's subjective realities like well yeah he said that's how i reproduce and then some uh, somebody says um then we would all be your children and and he says yeah that's right yeah Uh, i i kind of thought of him as like that childlike evil because i think this whole book like from the very beginning and like how if you um read like how philip kated came up the idea Mm -hmm. is that whole thing of like um people playing with dolls, you know, like the, Absolutely, the Barbie yeah. doll thing. And I keep on thinking of the Palmer Aldrich entity is like this kind of child playing with its toys, but maybe he's seeing that kind of like cruelty, you know, like the, the child it's is very, cruelty. That's just kind of, that's very good. Yeah. You know. You're making my brain spin now because, um, that connects. It makes a better book because right. The, the way the perky Pat characters work and it, it doesn't work that way in perky Pat, the story, the right. days of Perfect Pat. But in this book, all the men go into the boyfriend. What is he, Ken? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Walt. Leonard. Leonard? Leonard? It's or? Walt, I think. Walt, okay. Maybe it's Leonard in the short story. Um, and uh, all the women go into Perky Pat. And then they sort of have to um, uh, make gestalt choices. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do their, their lives. So at the at the beginning of the book, I was thinking much more about that and thinking about uh like I don't know if you guys know this, but I, I do a lot of Lego stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you you, you re- remind me of uh Stephen Shabansky of uh 
some of Doctor Who podcasts on the other side of the mountains from you who has a gigantic Lego set. And yeah, yeah, I put you in the same category. You can buy like little uh, uh, mustaches and little uh, hats and things, right? Um, and you put them in your layout, right? I, I actually don't have a layout. I just have a bunch of bins and I, <laughs> I just throw them in there. <laughs> But I take pictures of the things that I do. But um, a lot of people, uh, especially, I mean, this is this is really, again, thinking back to our Game Players of Titan, right? right? This is a book about playing games um, and children's games mm-hmm. and adults playing with children. There is a point, and I remember distinctly in my own memory, uh, in my own life, when I stopped playing with Lego like kids do. And I started being more... Uh, like, wouldn't be, let's use this pro- computer program to program it as a robot. And it just became, you can, can no longer have the experience that, um, you know, you're, if you're holding a Barbie and you're running her around her dream house and you put her in her Ferrari, um, and then playing with another kid, you know, you, you could send her to the store and do all the things that are happening in the days of Perky Pat and in this book. Right at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, the, and then there's this. There was the summer, right, where I came back from the summer or whatever the spring, and it was I just couldn't do that uh, without. If I had had candy, I could have, right, but I couldn't get into it in the same way. Um, and I think that that's a really cool idea. That the fact that, and it's so well. Um, so well realized in the short story, the yeah. days of Perk Pat, where the children are adults and the adults are children. Right, right. right. It's so cool that the kids, <laughs> one of the things I tweeted is, it says, you know, the kid had so many responsibilities, the 10 year old, right? <laughs> and he goes outside with his friend and he's got a knife and they go hunting. Hunting mm-hmm. for even rabbits. Though, that's right. They're hunting for food, even though they've got lots of food and they're going to get money for the pelt and all that. And then, that they're waving to the the what are those Martian uh, do-gooders <laughs> the uh, what are they called do boys I can't remember something boys oh the care boys or something care, care boys, boys. Yeah. the care boys who are like Martian octopuses or something that are just looking to help out poor humanity on blasted Earth um, looking down <laughs> dropping supplies and they they say why don't we wave to it and maybe it'll drop something that we need and they both laugh because they don't need anything mm-hmm. right the adults use the 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 droppings <laughs> to make uh, make stuff for their layout yeah right? yeah the adults need toys and that is a amazing idea the way it's used here it's actually the setting is moved from earth to mars right for this book mm-hmm. They're so crappy in their pits, right? What is it? Uh, uh, chicken pox po- prospect, another sort yeah, of yeah. <laughs> CPP uh, funny names. They, their, their lives are so crappy there that they stay underground playing perky pad all day and taking drugs. That is uh, a grim prospect. Yeah, and the difference in this one is that this is like um... – the authorities want them to be in this escapist world and just completely obsessed with um, right. getting all their little bits and pieces, little materialistic goods for Perky Pat. Right. And but 
Yeah, but Earth is Earth is dying. I mean, the novel doesn't explain that. Yeah, we need these colonies because Earth is dying, and Earth humanity has to live somewhere. But to to survive on Mars and or even worse, they say some of the other places are even worse, where it's just like landscapes of methane ice, and they have absolutely nothing to do. I mean, Lisa Mars, you can try to grow a garden on Ganymede. You don't even have that. You're just stuck in a hovel in in a yeah. in, in the ice. So. So it's 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 kind of like yeah the opiate of the uh, colonists is uh, is uh, perky fat and the uh, and and candy. Yeah. Did you read as well how when Philip K. Dick wrote this book he was um, out in his little hovel, he was banished <laughs> from the house. So his wife Anne and the four girls were all inside, and I don't know why he was banished, but he had to you know walk out to this cold little shack where he was doing his writing, and, and he was really. <laughs> freezing and miserable and lonely oh so, <laughs> that, that, think, that that's yeah that's he's writing his life again but he's yeah, good at that yeah exactly. and that's what uh that's why taking i really enjoy in his shack he what taking his drugs in his shack yeah i don't know what he was taking actually uh, speed probably yeah i think that's why i enjoyed this book as well because i knew that and i knew that he'd seen that huge face in the sky the big metal mask in the sky around this time when he nice. had that hallucination. And yeah. I just keep on thinking like, so he saw his children playing with these Barbie dolls mm-hmm. and playing all these weird games. And then he was walking out to his little hovel and he saw this huge face looking at him. And I was like, Oh, so is he, does he think he's like the doll, you know, like this thing is playing <laughs> with him. That's really good. Yeah. I think that there's some, um, uh, a, a few other things going on in this book that are sort of related, I guess, but this, that's where the sort of the elements of the cobbled together uh, I, make me think, yeah, this is not like on the level of the the best. So one of the ones is there's this guy, I, I'm probably going to say his name wrong, but I want to say Eichhorst, but that's not his name. It's, it's Oh, yeah, that was a weird name. Horst, I, Eidhorst or something like that, right? He's the He's the German... Or Austrian doctor who uh, does e therapy, evolution mm-hmm. therapy, right? And they go to him, and as a couple, uh, one of them evolves a little bit, and the other one devolves a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we have that at the end. Look, I'm a bubblehead because <laughs> he's had a, his brain made bigger. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, why? Why is that in here? <laughs> it doesn't really play with the rest of the book well but do you think it's not i I don't know if i'm reading too much into it but i kind of was wondering if this is like a religion versus almost like evolution kind of thing because Mm -hmm. um uh, what's his name leo at at the end that's what he's kind of talking about yeah he's like well you know this thing has tried to you know put the plague of the mind over humanity but I'm evolved. I've got like all these thousands of years of evolution thanks to this therapy. And he, mm-hmm. I think, and he beats um, Palmer Aldrich. Did you guys catch that? He thinks he does. Yeah. I d- yeah. he, he, he does, he, but you can't be sure. Yeah. He, uh, Philip K. Dick has talked about the clue. It's at the very start. The opening paragraph is set after the rest of the story. Really? And it's Leo Bolero sends a memo to Perky Pat Layouts and, uh, Oh, 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 I'll read it. I mean, after all, you have to consider we're only made of dust. That admittedly, not much to go on, and we shouldn't forget that. 
But even considering, I mean, it's a sort of bad beginning, we're not doing too bad. So I personally have faith that even in this lousy situation we're faced with, we can make it. You get me? Yeah, and Philip on his return from Mars. Huh. Yeah, and Philip K. Dix. Yeah, Philip K. Dix says the way he wrote it is the clue that he's saying that's Leo's voice. It's like his idiosyncratic Mm. voice, and uh, so you can tell Palmer Aldrich isn't in his head anymore. So he did uh, win. Mm. Mm. I completely missed that. Thank you, Marissa. Mm-hmm. I, I Thank mean, you, I, Philip K. Dick, because I, yeah, I would have missed it too. <laughs> yeah, I was so focused on the beginning, on the on the the basically green the the runaway greenhouse effect on Earth. I mean, it's got yeah. global warming, and and Earth is going really bad. I mean, resort beaches on Antarctica, glaciers yeah. all melting. Earth Earth is not in a great place in this book. It's not no. again, not no. a happy place again. And it's 2016 <laughs> as well. That's the, yeah, it's 2016. So. Although, weirdly, all that horrible stuff with Earth is kind of the funniest stuff. Like, <laughs> I love that they're all running around in air-conditioned yeah. suits and, and drying Listen, in the sun. This is, this is the part I was focused on at the beginning. Um, in, in his miserably high number conapt, building 492 on the outskirts of Marilyn Monroe, New Jersey, <laughs> Richard <laughs> breakfast indifferently while something greater than indifferent. With something greater than indifference. That what the hell does that mean? He ate breakfast indifferently. Wow, with something greater than indifference. He glanced <laughs> over <laughs> the morning homeopape. By the way, homeopape's gotta be in every book, I think now. <laughs> yeah. Weather syndrome readings for the previous day, and then he reads the newspaper. The key glacier, old skin top, had retreated four point six two grables during the last twenty four hour period. And the temperature at noon in New York had exceeded the previous days. By 1.46 Wagner's. Yeah. In addition, the humidity of the oceans evaporated had increased 16 Selkirks. So things were hotter and wetter. And the great procession of nature clanked on. Clanked? <laughs> That's a weird word. Yeah. And towards what? Matt pushed the pape away. Picked up the mail, which he had been delivered uh, before dawn. It had the same... It had been some... It had been some time since mailmen had crept out in daylight hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, nobody does. I mean, kind of remind me of uh, that movie uh, Daybreakers. Have you either you've seen it? Yeah, I like no. that one. Uh, uh, I quite like that. Basically, uh, basically, so in Daybreakers, most of humanity succumbs to a plague and becomes vampires. And so, since almost all of the world is vampires, they start re-engineering technology and their lives to suit vampire existence i mean cars have it's a nocturnal society right, right? yeah well and cars have dark uh, windows and passage and there are passages underground passages and uh skyways to basically humanity builds to suit their new existence and that's huh. what that was kind of reminded of when listening i was like yeah people not coming out in daylight just like just like the vampires in daybreakers because yeah you don't want to become a spot on the on the ground Mm-hmm. Yeah, and doesn't um, what's his name Mason or someone? He when he sit, looks into one of his futures, he's like he's he's been left out in the sunshine. He's like a shriveled up corpse <laughs> yeah. on a ramp somewhere. Yep. <laughs> the, there's um, it's funny that we're already talking about vampires because I do want to. I, I mentioned this before we read this book. I want to just mention it again. Um, uh, the who's the guy who does all those the Mexican horror movie guy who did uh, 
the Jaeger movie. <laughs> you know the one I mean. Del Toro? Uh, yeah, Del Toro. Um, Del Toro. What's his name? Guillermo Del Toro. Guillermo. Guillermo Del Toro. I'm glad you guys are attempting that name. That's like <laughs> yeah, he, he wrote a, um, uh idea for a TV show that uh, was rejected until they he wrote it as a series of novels with a co-writer. And then that then it got turned into a comic book and it and a TV show. Um and the TV show is um about vampires. Uh it's kind of the invasion of um the it's kind of a retelling of Dracula with and instead of it being an invasion of the earth via London, the center of uh, of uh, world commerce at the time, right? Um it's an invasion of New York, uh that's the beachhead. Uh, for the Dracula analog, uh, the show's called The Strain, by the way. Um, and the book, the first book's called The Strain as well. It's written with Chuck Hogan. And, um, the, the master, the evil dude, um, is, uh, facilitated by a guy named Eldritch Palmer. Eldritch. <laughs> right? So it's a sort of a synthesis of, uh, the story Dracula set in the uh, modern times with, uh, this plot a little bit. Um, you, you get a certain kind of immortality, right? But you also have other problems. Uh, the Eldritch Palmer character is a super rich guy who has, is trading immortality for, uh, the death of humanity. Um, and he has, uh, and a kind of flunky whose name is Eichhorst. Oh, wow. And that the, the, I don't think that the guy whose name is very similar to Eichhorst in this book is a flunky of Eldritch Palmer. I just think it, it's, it's cool that Del Toro read this book and was, uh, taken with it enough to sort of do that homage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I do recommend the, the show. They're going to go for five seasons like uh, Babylon 5, um, with the first novel being the first two seasons, the second uh, and third seasons being the second novel, I think, and then the final novel being the the, the third season. Yeah, so cool. Huh. Yeah, and it's sort of a retelling of Dracula where Dracula uh, is sort of doing better than he did in, in the original. In the original. <laughs> and it's it's very well done. It's got a lot of, uh, if you guys remember Highlander, the TV show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, they had a lot of flashbacks, you know, to some time in Scotland or some time in ancient Egypt or something. Right, because of their age, yeah. Right, they're all alive forever. So, uh, Eichhorst is, uh, um, been alive since, uh, at least World War II. And he's a bat, he's a Nazi. So, oh, <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun. And, um, I, I, I mean, I dig that. I dig that when uh, good, uh, and I do like Del Toro's writing. Um, he's not my favorite, but I really like that he he is really enthusiastic about all the right things, um, and he's a bit more gory than I normally go for. But um, I think I think if you look at this as more of a a scary book, which I guess I'm not. I I didn't find it all that scary. Then I would probably dig it as much as you guys did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you catch the um, 
because this is when I was thinking about it being scary, I think it was when I started seeing the names being mispronounced all the time mm-hmm. and realized. Bayerson, Bayerson, right? Yeah, and some other names. Like It was little things like that, like the little details that were just kind of like, oh, okay, we're like not in what we think we're in. We're in something else now, some oh, yeah. reality. So, so now I'm going to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's Existence. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then th- now's the time where uh, Paul talks about existence. Again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you've been reading my Twitter feed. Yeah. So yeah, ex- ex- existence was definitely, definitely influenced by this novel for the, for the reader, for the listeners who have never watched existence. I'll briefly try to describe the plot. Uh, existence is set in a world where virtual reality is deep. Virtual reality games are common. And we start off with a group of people who have, Hello? You guys there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're oh, okay. I just, just suddenly heard a word sound. Okay. So they, they start participating in a virtual reality game, which gets interrupted by, by a would-be a terrorist attack slash assassin. And we eventually get to go deep into the game to try to, try to, uh, find out if the game's all right. And levels, levels of reality start getting mixing. Characters are not who they appear. At one point, the characters eat takeout from Perky Pats, which is yeah. which I thought was a, was a, was a neat trick. Yeah. But the so with the uh, varying levels of reality and playing games and trying to figure out what the game games is. At, at one point, the characters talking about uh, Jude Law's characters talking about like the, the rules of this game seem to be seem to be arbitrary, even non-existent. A, and uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh's character said, just like real life, huh? Yeah, <laughs> and the the movie ends um, with with them with them realizing and the viewer realizing that this in itself, with the start of the movie, was actually within the game itself. We've gone up another mm-hmm. level of reality, but then the, the 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 sting in the tail at the end is from the, the last line of the uh, movie. Uh, one of the characters says, "Tell me the truth, guys. Are we still in the game?" And you don't. No, mm-hmm. because I mean, I mean, once you start lear- learning the rules of the of the world and how th- things act, and they even go through this at one point where where a non-player character goes into a loop and they start explaining how characters act and how to get out of it. You start noticing like at the be- you, you can go back and watch the beginning, like oh yeah, yep, they're acting, they're acting just like characters, and at the end, it seems like they are also acting like characters with preformed dialogue so where's the actual reality coming out of this and so it's very much like a palmer eldritch sort of experience where mm-hmm. you don't know where the reality starts and ends i mean in this novel we can be pretty sure that up to chapter five or six or wherever they start doing choosy okay so that's baseline reality and after that for a long time i mean marissa's point about uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Leo getting out of it sort of undercuts it. But for a long time till the end of the novel, you're not sure where where there's any reality or it's all just choosy form delusion. You're in so many levels of reality moving back and forth that you're not quite sure whether you're getting out of the rat maze. And that's just why I love the movie Existence and why uh, why the why the director clearly was influenced by Philip K. Dick in creating it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the plot as well as you do. I, I haven't seen it since it came out on DVD or 
The laser disc problem. I, I, I can see the I, I can see the DVD from where I'm sitting right now. So yeah. <laughs> and uh, and how does it hold up? All uh, basically what I remember is oh it was trippy and then there was a lot of like there was a a, a gun made out of like a bucket of chicken or something. It, 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 there's a biological weapon. Yes, I, I I have a soft spot for it. Maybe an objective viewer could point out there's there's some. Really disturbing stuff about. It's real Cronenbergy. It's really it's it, it's Cronenbergy at his most Cronenbergy estom. Okay, it's not videodromy Cronenbergy, but it's pretty Cronenbergy. I think yeah. it holds up pretty well. Did you rewatch it recently? Yeah, I rewatched it recently and showed it to someone who hadn't seen it before. And I think and, it still holds up. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, I might have to rewatch that then. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't think of this movie as worthy of rewatching because all I thought about it was, yeah, it's just a, because it's sort of Philip K. Dickey and there is a reference to Perky Pat in it. Uh, you know, with that, uh, the bag of fast food, it's like big kahuna burger. It's like, it just didn't mean anything to me in specifically with this book, but I, I like the connections you're making. Um, that's interesting. And, and, and there's that whole, some people have the same names as they go into other characters and other people don't. And so it's like, mm-hmm. just, just like here where we, where we go into, uh, various, where we have, uh, playings with people's names and, and going into the layouts and coming back again. So there's all sorts of identity issues just like in this novel. Mm-hmm. So right at the end of the book, there, there is that little twist in the tale. Um, it goes like this. Okay. Felix Blau said, anything you say, Leo. And then, Leo, how come you keep calling me Leo? Sitting rigidly. Uh, by the way, the word rigid is uh, Philip K. Dick keyword for characters upset. All right. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but that's in every, every story. Um, it's, it's right from his very first one, Rug. Um, the dog goes rigid, huh. rigid that when the postman come or whatever. Sitting rigidly upright in his chair, supporting himself with both hands, Felix Blau regarded him imploringly. Think, Leo. For Christ's sakes, think. Oh, yeah. Sobered. He nodded. He felt chastened. Sorry. It's just a temporary slip. I know you, I know what you're referring to. Not who you're referring to. I know what you're afraid mm-hmm. of. But it didn't mean anything, he added. I keep thinking like you say. I, I won't forget again. He nodded solemnly, promising. The ship rushed on nearer and nearer Earth. It's, that's a good ending. And I, I like that I have to go back and read the whole book now again to get the beginning. Yeah. That office audio memo. But so what? what is he saying he won't forget? Did you guys even get that? Uh, I, I think we're supposed to – I think we're supposed to infer that he's not Palmer Eldridge. That's what he's supposed to remember. Right. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of um, what's what's – um, What's the name of the Niven novel? Um, oh crap! Um, Brain freeze. Um, there's there's a there's a there's a Niven novel that this is kind of reminding me of. Protector, maybe? No, not Protector. Um, uh, World of Patabs. World of P- the Patabs. By the way, Patab totally a Philip K. nickname. Yes. Right. The fin- there was a Fanul in here too. Don't be such a Fanul or something Don't, like. Don't be Fanul. Uh, was that the? Um... Wasn't that one for like getting drunk or something? Getting snuggled? Yeah, he yeah, was snuggled. That's right. <laughs> right. So in World of Batavs, a human comes into telepathic uh, contact with an alien, and it's such an overwhelming c- 
event for the human that for a while, I think for a good part of the novel, he's thinking that he is the alien and he's wondering why he's trapped in this human body when he's actually himself because this alien's mind has imprinted and suffused them, colonized them, kind of like this. So Nevin Sifflin was playing in the same sort of territory. It's interesting. I I don't normally think of Larry Nevin as uh, a guy who would take a page out of Philip K. Dick's Neither would I. But, um, he's he's really sort of doing his own thing, and I do really like his writings, even though he has a tendency to be uh, the most sexist man in the universe. <laughs> he loves being sexist, though, so um, you kind of got to give it to him. <laughs> he goes with it. He he created a, a an alien race called the Kazinti, which are like giant cats, and he made all the females. Uh, in uh, non-sentient. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah oh, oh, he's oh. just, he's just, he's not just like a little bit sexist. He's wholeheartedly. Wow. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure if he's, he's kind of playing with the fact that he doesn't care what you think about his opinions. Mm-hmm. And that's what, why he did that. Or if it's that he just thinks it's actually a good idea. Yeah. And I just think Speaking of which, uh, the Ronnie Fugati girl in this was a different one for Philip K. Dick. Like she was, she was super cunning and clever, and wasn't like his uh, spinster woman. Although there was a lot of a lot of boobs as usual. A lot of yeah, there was boobs at the beginning and boobs at the end. Yeah, she was pretty interesting in this book. She she had plots, plans. She was a she was a yeah. social climber. It's like yeah, she's she's trying to get to the top, and darn it, darn it, if she wasn't in a Philip K. Dick novel, she would have gotten there. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ends up in the top in a Philip K. Dick novel, I think. Yeah, that's also true, and you don't want to be if you do. But yeah, but aside from her, yeah, I mean, Anne Anne is this uh, is this ostensibly religious uh, nut, but actually actually an agent for for Leo and then you and then Leo's got women up on his uh women in his little uh colony down in uh Antarctica what was the name of that colony um uh that's a good question there's a lot of funny names oh it was like a Disney name wasn't it uh I can't remember either it was Marilyn Monroe, New Jersey. It's just, it's like, what is it called? Wasn't it, was it like Winnie the Pooh or something? Or I can't yeah, remember. Winnie the Pooh prospect or whatever. <laughs> in in the days of Perky Pat, they were called fluke pits. Yeah. Uh, and and I was like, why are they called? Oh, it's because it's a fluke that they lived. I think is the idea. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. He's he's very good. Dick is very good. Uh, the pinhole fluke pit. Fluke pit. Um, he's very good at um. Sort of creating a background and then just not explaining mm-hmm. it. You never have to. You never have to be told what a homeopath is. You just figure it out by the context. And yeah, yes, all of these these uh, names. It's just you just go with it because it's a different world than ours. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I dig. I dig the uh, the colonization um, aspect. I think that that. That is cool. I just I didn't find this to be that much better of a book than any of the other ones that are sort of like this. And it's not that it's a bad book at all. I don't think it is. I just um, I think uh, there's so many under uh, under undercooked. 
No, I don't want to say undercooked. Underappreciated dick novels. That this one, huh. I think it's because of the religious aspect. I, I keep going back to that. The religious aspect seems to be a really big thing for a lot of people. That they they just really dig that. Yeah. The yeah. You take Jesus into your body, right? And now you are like Jesus, and you keep doing this forever in your whole life to remind yourself to be like Jesus. But shouldn't and that's really cool. Yeah. But shouldn't this book do it offend me. religious people though? Wouldn't. No, yeah, I, but I don't think that you know it's that it's that they're religious and then that that's why they like it. It's just that just the mysticism. You know, no, Americans are baked in religion, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just so baked into it <laughs> that even if you are not a religious person in the United States, you still know all of the stuff that's associated with it, right? right. When I talk to my students who are from Asia mostly. Um, they don't, they have heard of Jesus, but a lot of them have no clue as to any of the story elements. Yeah. Right? And that is, so for, if, if you are talking about, you know, three days in a cave, <laughs> you know, three days in a, in a tomb and then ascending to heaven, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? They don't, they don't get it. Right. Even if you're, uh, a complete atheist in, in the United States, this is, fundamental background material yeah Mm -hmm. and i think that that elevates it in in, uh, above some of the other books that i think are just as cool what was the one we did about a small town that's all um indian religion that's uh the hindu gods i can't remember the name (laughs) i have to go through the massive list of what is it 37 books yeah they stopped blurring um, it's a, it's a sort of the Zelazny style one. Damn. Anyways, that one needs to be elevated more. Mm-hmm. In my, oh, you're talking about Cosmic Puppets. Cosmic Puppets. Kind of the same story as this, yes. right? Yes. Well, you know, um, the two, well, little girl gods, playing yeah. the doll, right? Yeah, the that's true. The dolls. It's very, it, it's not like this story is completely original. I liked elements of it, but. It do, didn't gel for me in the way that I think it gels for so many people. So, yeah, it's so weird. And it wasn't even just like the religious stuff for me. I think I liked it, but then it wasn't even written in this way. But I really liked the idea of this kind of virtual reality stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish Philip K. Dick had lived in the – I wish he'd lived long enough to see the internet and Second Life mm. and Facebook and all this stuff. Cause, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He, he, he would have completely understood Second Life. I mean, and he would have had a lot of fun with Facebook too. Yeah, Facebook Facebook posts posts from Phil K. Dick would be a thing of beauty. If you want to know what Palmer Eldridge is today, it's Google because it, it. I I don't like Google, but it's it's integrated so deeply into my life that I can't get out of it. Right, and that's <laughs> I, true. I avoid, I avoid Facebook completely. I, I don't have an account or anything like that, but um. Everybody I know is sort of in the religion. Right? Yeah. It's really scary. But Google, I mean, it's its claws are deep. It's They're so deep, you know, that if it was suddenly disappeared, um, half of the things that I do in my life would be completely broken and I'd have to restructure everything. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. I don't even use their email. Right? Yeah. It's, it, it is a Palmer Eldridge kind yeah, of. Yeah, a whole other reality that we're kind of tied into mm-hmm. there's a there was a quote here i'm gonna see if i can spot it but uh, uh 
I just type it in and you guys look. Uh, you can say something while I look for this. Um, I was going to say, I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, have you played Fallout 3, Paul? I've not played anything since the original Fallout, so I'm I'm kind of behind on the Fallout series. So go ahead. Talk about there, Fallout 3. There's a little section in there, and I kept on thinking of it while I was reading this book, which is where the character, you go into these it's, machines, and you go into this little world called, um, I think it's like Tranquility Lane. Mm, and it's some right. kind of trippy, and there's a little girl there, and she's actually evil. And she's like, it's not a little girl. And she's talking to him, and sometimes her voice goes into this darker, older man's voice. And it reminded me so much of this, of when they go into these like virtual alternate realities. It feels so That's, Fallout 3. Yeah, the, it, it is a very um, uh, game-inspired. Like, There's uh, a lot of H.P. Lovecraft. Sort of, there's a yeah. lot of HBO sequences or uh, locations, right? Yeah. Um, but there's just as many Philip K. Dick ones yeah. in Fallout 3 and 4. Um, and I, they're probably in 2 and 1 as well that I, that I do not remember because those are from mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. But uh, this is what I tell my students. You, if you really – if you, uh, they say things like, I want to be a video game designer. And I say, if you really want to be a video game designer, here's what you want to do. You want to read a lot of this yeah. and you want to read a lot of this because <laughs> that's what those guys read, right? Mm-hmm. They totally read Philip K. Dick and they totally read um, – and it's not just they saw the movie, right? Because right. you can see yeah. – uh, they, they really got the idea and they went with it, the writers, mm-hmm. whoever they are, the nameless writers for these games. Because they they are deep in there. The I told you, Marissa. There's a uh, there's a in Fallout Four. There's a town where you walk up to the gate and they give you a uh, a test like um, the empathy test. In, oh really? Uh, no, yeah, the, the Void Comp test. Right, the Void Comp test in uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric okay. Sheep? And then there's a whole subplot of synths. Um, these are artificial people and. Uh, apparently anybody you meet could be one of them in the game. Um, and because you manage towns, that's the one thing that's different about Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 is that you don't just um, visit towns. You can also make towns. Um, so you set up, you know, uh, buildings and you can build structures and all that stuff. But you can also you get people coming into town after you set up a like a, a, a beacon that they can pick up on their radio and say safe. Uh, drink water, all that stuff, right? Then come into town, and apparently some of them can be synths, and you don't know just by looking at them. So there's some of the characters are really paranoid about uh, whether you're a synth or not, and they won't sell the synths. Um, and then some uh-huh. of the subplots you get into uh, the underground railroad, <laughs> where you're trying to get synths out of um, danger, and. I believe I haven't got that far in the game yet, but I believe you can even go and, you know, you go find the Institute and I'm like, Oh, the Institute, the game's set in Boston. So it's going to be the Massachusetts Institute Institute of of technology. Technology, Right. So if I knew the Boston geography a little better, (laughs) I would know what direction to walk in to find the Institute. Oh, that sounds so fun. It is. It's very good. I love that uh, Philip K. Dick stuff in these games. It is very cool that they they have this and you know there there's a robot that wants to be have a human body so that she can uh, uh, not be so clanky looking <laughs> um, 
But uh, I, I believe you can romance her later after uh, you. Uh, <laughs> it's a human body. Apparently, so that, I haven't done that quest yet. There was um there was also funny in this book with the precogs that they can just see here that like oh we're gonna hook up might as well just get straight to it like, <laughs> <laughs> why waste time <laughs> that's funny did you it's find good. what you were looking for you I can't did? find it I lost it oh. I was look- it was a- it was about the colonization of Earth um I was just scrolling around too much I think and then. I lost it. Oh, well. We can always read the book again someday. Yeah, I think it is one. Well, I mean, all of them, right? They all seem to reward rereading. I would think so. I I, haven't, I, hadn't, I don't think I'd read this one all the way through before. I think I, it was a, I got it. It was a long, long while since I read this. It, it was welcome for me to come back again. Because when I had first read this, it was before I had seen Existence. So it was like Existence, like Perky Pat, like, I know that. Oh, that's right, Palmer Eldritch. Oh, fine. And, and, and but now, now having reread this, and now really seeing those connections, yeah, Cronenberg definitely had read this book and decided to uh, mess with people's uh, minds in reality in a in a, in an interesting way, unlike some of the other movies that came out that year. <laughs> the Matrix. <laughs> the Matrix. <laughs> hmm. He listen to this, Tara. Hell no, Mars. Why Mars? It's, he groped for words, new, undeveloped, full of potential. I'm going to be all the colonists as they arrive and begin to live there. I'll guide their civilization. I'll be their civilization. Uh-huh. Ah, he's playing a it's so um, like virtual reality game. Mm-hmm. He's playing, yeah, he, he's basically, yeah, maneuvering people and societies. It's, it's, it's like a giant game of uh, Stellaris. Yeah, like Philip K. Dick knew that that was like in our wishful thinking, like, yeah, if we can have these virtual worlds, we can build a city and play all the people. And <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Sim City, Stellaris, Civilization. Philip K. Dick would have loved these games. I know. Mm-hmm. I wish he had some uh, choosy so he could have <laughs> sent himself to the future to have a little look, and maybe he did. <laughs> well, 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 yes, yeah, so some, some people, yeah really got go and get deep into role-playing these characters and societies and worlds and building stories out of them. It's like without, even without the help of choosy. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think that games are, are like a kind of, I mean, Dick was not around for computer games, but uh, I know a lot of my students are addicted to games um, that they're evil games, I would say, because, you know, like uh, not, I was, I was going to say Starcraft. That's not the one. Uh, there's one on uh-huh. the phone. Uh, there's one that you play on the phone called Clash of Clans. That's oh. what the lips play. And then there's uh, uh, one where you, it's uh, all these games are free, and then you you oh, end I up can, spending. Oh, like Candy Crush. Can't. Well, uh, Clash of Clans is one of them. There's oh, one that. Oh, like you have to you buy have, stuff for the game. Yeah. yeah. Oh so God. <laughs> don't have to buy it, but they all do. So one of the ones I'm trying to think of the name of it. My student. Uh, he he spent like $300 on what are called skins. Those are like clothes or like a, a look for your character. Oh yeah, that's nice. So it doesn't give you, it doesn't give you like a bonus in game other than you look cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Right? But they're addicted. They're completely addicted to it. And it, it, they spend all their waking hours that aren't in school, right? <laughs> Playing these games. 
Oh, and I just realized as well, like, if that is Candy Crush, that's like, oh, yeah, Candy. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because uh, it's a game where you eat candy, right? Mm-hmm. But you actually aren't actually eating any candy in real life. I, I like that. Is it Leo at the end says, you know, I'm going to I'm not going to take these drugs. I'm going to go farm that. I'm going to dig the trench or whatever it is. Yep. He's going to make the irrigation canal. Right, yeah. he's, he's rejecting the the fake world <laughs> as much as he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the real world, um, he's not like you know how in, in games like The Sims, which I guess is not a super popular game anymore, but it was a few years ago, where you could buy you know manage p- your Sims' lives, right? You oh. get them relationships, you get them a new car. You, Build their, if you don't give build them a toilet, they make pee puddles on the floor, right? <laughs> they, they, All the things. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, you, you they can die from fires in the kitchen. Yeah. Right. Right. So you sort of micromanage their lives in the same way that uh, you know in civilization you micro you you don't micromanage you macromanage uh a, you know a society over centuries or thousands of years. Um, here you're micromanaging people's uh, fake people's lives and yet your you know your bathroom toilet needs to be cleaned yeah (laughs) (laughs) your vacuum your your floor needs vacuuming right um but you're busy micromanaging the the avatar and buying and that's the thing right is buying virtual goods in a artificial world for an artificial world that there's something weirdly drug like philip k dickey about that yeah, that's so true. I think the solution is, yeah, you don't play those games because some of them are evil <laughs> because they do suck up your life. Yeah, in a way. like even when you describe it, like part of me is like, oh, God, that what a waste of time. And part of me is like, yeah, I want to manage those people's lives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I would do it right. And then my life will be better. <laughs> or yeah, I can, I can get how crappy my life is flipping burgers. I can I can make this uh, oh, this 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 absolutely. cool this cool. Uh, Rockstar do his thing in his in the game. Absolutely. the The thing is, is drugs, right? Alcohol is a drug, and for for thousands of years, people went to their work, um, you know, full of drugs, high on beer, right? To try and, first of all, because the water is bad, but also to to dull the the boredom, to dull the to escape from the body, yeah. right? In, in the crappy life that they have. I mean, I think if you suddenly took away all the drugs that are illegal and legal in a society like the United States or maybe Canada. Any society. Oh my God. Uh, crazy. You would have a lot more revolution uh, than you would normally see because people are not going to put up with the stuff that they can put up with if they're high on marijuana or high on. Uh, alcohol or whatever alcohol does, you know, dulled dulled by alcohol. Um, but the rejection that that happens at the end, rejection of that for, and and right back to that original story, the kids being the responsible ones, and saying we don't yeah. need that junk. Right. We we will make our own world out of the real things that are here. I think that the that that is kind of cool and it it's hopeful makes me. It is, and it makes me think of that other dick book um, about drugs, the one that's all about drugs and people not knowing who they are. Scanner Darkly? Scanner Darkly, right? Because 
that that's a book about you know I, I played with drugs they mess mess with your head and mm-hmm. they fuck up your life and uh, I think I'm done with them now yeah I think that is exactly this book as well and it's also about the virtual reality stuff like you're saying if you took alcohol and other drugs away from America like and also Facebook and and all this kind of stuff that keeps people feeling <laughs> Absolutely. those are artificial worlds too yeah and status states Philip right? K. Dick's kind of writing about that although he didn't know about this stuff then but yeah like people feel like when they're on Facebook they feel like they're doing these activist kind of things and stuff and it's like you're not you're just sitting at your computer sharing posts like right, no matter <laughs> any you likes you give to a Bernie uh, yeah, tweet. Yeah, you're really not it's doing not anything. Going to, <laughs> it's not going to influence the actual results. Mm-hmm. But it, keep, it makes keep you feel up. like you have, and you're like, ah, I've done my thing for the day. Yep, little checkbox. <laughs> little checkboxes, you did all those things. Good, I feel good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm doing things in the world. Oh, wait. It's not <laughs> I, the world. <laughs> I, I suddenly want to take a long vacation and take pictures far away from man. Yeah, and, and then come back and share them on Twitter. But at least I went and, <laughs> but at least I, at least I went out and did this. It's not like I'm just sharing, sharing a pro Bernie or pro Hillary or pro Trump stuff. It's like, okay, look, this is I was here in these sand yeah. dudes. This is what they look like. No, I think that that's exactly right, Paul. You're you're doing exactly right because when uh, I I see people tweeting me all the time, and I'm like, I'm kind of stingy with my with my favorites. I don't. You guys probably don't notice because I favorite all your stuff that I see that I like um, because I like it. Um, but sometimes people will send me, you know, 40 things and I'm like, no, this one doesn't deserve a favorite. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Why the hell is that? I mean, <laughs> it's a currency. But you know what? The sickness is there, right? A lot of my followers on Twitter, they're just uh, they're just uh, bots that design to advertise the fact that you can buy followers that's sick that's sick we live in a sick world but once you digitize uh, some sort of um human need you can put a value on it you can buy seven thousand followers for uh 50 bucks or whatever what's the what's the the point these bots are not going to uh like my photos or something hey hey paypal send me more why don't you do more photos of your macro stuff? These bots, those bots would just passively just be follower accounts. They wouldn't be any use to me. Did you, uh, you guys know about Charlie Brooker? He's the guy who did, did, uh, Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Yeah, I love yeah. him. Paul, you seen Black Mirror? I have not seen Black Bear. You got, no, not Black Bear. Oh. There is one called White Bear. Oh. Um, uh, Black Mirror. Oh, Black Mirror. It's, oh. Yeah. Out of the UK. It's a anthology show. Oh, it's it, uh, it, it, science fiction. I have not seen it yet. It's in my. You must. You must Netflix. do that. You must. You must do that because it will blow your brains out. Um, he's really good. He, he, I don't know uh, how how good he can keep it up, but he's been doing really good things. He also does a uh, sort of a year end, a lot of TV stuff that is less good is sort of TV satire commentary sort of thing. But he did a uh, last, I think his last Christmas, he said the top iPhone games, right? And he named a bunch of games. And then, the, uh, or maybe it was the top video games of all time, I think it was the, is the special. And he went through a long list of 100 games or something, right? And the number one game on his list was Twitter. I'm like, <laughs> Holy cow, he's right. Yeah. It, is a game. it totally is a game. And the fact that 
that when I look at somebody's Twitter account, when they follow me or whatever, right? I look at that and I say, ooh, they have 10,000 followers. And then I look at how many people they're following. They're following like 10,000 people. I'm like, they're not as good as me. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with me that I think that that makes any sense? And then somebody follows me and they've got, you know, no tweets and they follow 5,000 people. And I look at the 5,000 and they're all celebrities. I'm like, I'm better than you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's in this game. Uh, Sorry, this book, right? There's something in there where they're, they're, they're doing keeping up with, I tweeted this at you guys. To, tweeting, uh, keeping up, well, not with the Joneses, but oh, yeah, or maybe Morrison's or something. I can't yeah, remember. no, it was in the days of Perky Pat. Yeah, keeping up with the Morrisons because the Morrisons uh, had more stuff in their layout, right? Mm-hmm. And th- they were pretending, they were pretending that they had a working television. <laughs> by saying that their television was at the shop. Yeah, that's right. It's not even a real television. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody was ruining the game by saying, "Oh no, it, a therapy <laughs> psychotherapy only costs twenty costs ten dollars an hour, not twenty dollars an hour." Yeah, you're ruining the game. Yeah, but feel, by, yeah, by feel, consensual hallucination that we all agree to. But they're also playing it like a board game. And so they, 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 yep, they, with spinners, yeah, with spinners and and squares and stuff. It kind of reminds me of the game players of Titan that way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of material to add to the Philip K. Dick Rhetorizer. Oh yes. Dear. I I hope uh, you have access to Google on your flight, Marissa, because I expect you to spend that 16 hours or however long it is uh, (laughs) filling that in for us. It's only 12 (laughs) hours these days. How many? 12. Oh, From LA to New Zealand, yeah. I think when I came over, it was, I think I was 35 hours from uh, New Zealand to Europe. Wow. 35 hours? Yeah, there was a a stopover in the middle, but it it was a long trip. No doubt. Okay. No wonder you haven't been back in 12 Exactly, years. yeah. <laughs> Where in New Zealand do you live? Did you um, live? I came from Auckland. Okay. Yeah. So I, I have a writer friend who lives in Christchurch. That'd be Helen Lowe. Hello, Helen. Oh, okay. If you're listening to this, you're probably not, but maybe you are. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.